Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Monday, June 26, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 89, paragraph 3, that begins with, Perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers, and ending with, To be helpful is our only aim. Today's readers are, The Twelve Steps will be read by Patty L., Twelve Traditions, Victoria L. The readers of the text are Kathy S. and Craig F., and our backup today is Nancy R. The newcomer greeter is Leah S., and the host for the second hour is Matt F., and announcements then will be given by Janice P.M. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, June 25th, 2023, the special edition, 20,383, 20383. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery, and Patty L. is here to read those for us. Hi, good morning, everyone. Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. My name is Patty L. And these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, we continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. Eleven, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Pass. Thank you so much, Patty L. And now I'm going to ask Victoria L. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Victoria L., and I'm a compulsive overeater from Muncie, Indiana. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction. Rather than promotion, we need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria L., for reading the 12 traditions. And how here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, you would press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page 89, paragraph 3, which begins with, perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers, and ends with, to be helpful is our only aim. I will now ask Kathy, Kathy S. to begin the reading for us. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Penny. Thank you. Um, this is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. Perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They will be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish. But it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. Um, Well, this paragraph, to me, keeps in direct alignment with the title of this chapter, Working With Others. Again, not, as others have mentioned, not working on others or for others. So right, what jumps out at me right in the beginning is is being acquainted with drinkers who want to recover. Um, I know when I was ready, when I wanted it, I did it. I didn't argue with my sponsor. I didn't come up with my own things. I did what I was told and, um, and I did what worked. Um, the other thing, there's like warnings in here, don't start out as an evangelist. That reminds me of tradition 11. This is a program of attraction versus promotion. And being preachy and being pushy has often been, and it does happen with me because I'm human, um, it's often indicative of my attempts to control as a sponsor um, and and often indicative of maybe a sponsee who who doesn't want what I have or um, isn't willing to do do it. do what it takes or do what I did anyways to recover. And so I love to that all we really have to do, this is the real how of it, is just to share our experience, strength, and hope. It is not my place to direct anyone else's path. I share my experience. That's what makes me uniquely useful. And what a promise that is because before recovery, I, I always felt useless. And I felt like I felt lost. I had no purpose. And that also is addressed in this paragraph. To be helpful is our only aim. So this is the spiritual life. You know, we have a lot of opportunities here to in working with others to live out, you know, a, a purpose to live out, you know, just a life of real joy and freedom, to using our past to be helpful and beneficial. And and that's it. You know, it's it's nothing that I have to make too much more complicated. And when it does get complicated, I have to remind myself, as a lot of 10 steps have brought me back to on page 19, that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings, viewpoints, and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us useful to others and um, and how we may help and we also as it goes on in that same paragraph how we may help meet their needs 
we just need to continue to on this journey just to pray, ask God for the wisdom, ask God for the words, share our experience, add nothing more to it, and and just let God handle the outcome. So with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kathy S. Yes. And now before I take names for others who would like to share on this paragraph, let me remind you that although we do value everyone's opinion and comments, we ask that if you shared in the last two days, Thursday or Friday, on any of the Vision for You meetings, please hold back so that other people's voices can be heard. And now I ask that you just say your name and and save your location, if you wish, till when you actually share. So who would like to continue the sharing on this paragraph? Ginger C. from Colorado. Kathy C. Rick J. Lee H. Oh, who was after Rick J.? Lee what? Lee H.? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Who was after Lee? Christina J. Christina J. One more. Bonnie B. Bonnie B. Bonnie B. What a nice lineup. Okay, Christina J. Okay. So here's who I have. Ginger C., Kathy C., Rick J., Lee H., Christina J., and Bonnie J. Good morning, Ginger. You're on. Good morning, Penny. Sorry, I was trying to get unmuted. Thank you so much for your service this morning and everyone that's with us today claiming their seat. Um, I am Ginger C. I am a real compulsive overeater, and I live in Colorado. And I loved how the lead speaker started us off this morning. So many clear directions in this book and so many things that I'm clearly not doing and not getting the beautiful results of a recovered state of mind and body. And um, I just love, though, how higher power continues to work in my life. It's just mind-blowing. I will tell you that it is utter incomprehensible demoralization. The food has taken me to a place that I didn't know you could go this low. And then I guess I do know you can go this low because Bill's story so clearly states exactly what happened to him and how he was utterly unable to stop, no matter how great the wish necessity. So... I um, just wanted to share a God story because this is profound. I do seek, pray, and ask even when I eat because I know where I'm going and I know where I want to go. I want to only be with a higher power and only having that solo effect. So I continue seeking and praying and asking. And on Saturday, I had probably one of the worst accidents of my life. Um, my friend Rick Jay was so funny. He goes, Ginger, your ankle just exploded. And I'm like, mm, pretty right. It just literally, I have a compound fracture. I broke the tibia, the, or I can't even say the names of the bones. Both bones are broken. I blew out my leg. The skin's everywhere. And I'm just watching this foot that's dangling, like with string cheese, barely on my leg. And, um, you know, I am just seeing what a gift all this is today, though, in such a powerful way. And there's two messages that I want to end with. The first message is a lot of the times I feel helpless. I was extremely abandoned as a young child with my experience of my mother leaving me. And I, when I feel helpless, I just go to food. 
I just am in a state of total panic and fear of the abandonment. And when my foot broke off, only thing that was there was my dog. And I didn't have anyone around. And I didn't have my phone. And I just kept calling, help, help. And in that moment later, the dots got connected. I'm not helpless. Even in a situation like that, I am not helpless. I reached out with help, that one word. I didn't even say emergency, 911. I just said help over and over. And all my neighbors eventually showed up. And so that is something that's so great because I see this God now in a new way that I never felt God before. And I also cannot stop eating you guys. And now I really can't even, I can't even get out of bed. Can't go to the bathroom. I am helpless in this bed, but I do have the help. I'm reaching out. I'm talking to people. I'm asking for it. And I think God's going to have me sit sidelines. They say I'll be lucky if I can walk in 30 days. And isn't that a good time to put the food down, get into this practical program of action, not a diet calorie club. I love to exercise too. Guess what, guys? I can't exercise. I can't do those few extra miles to get that flat stomach. I got to just be in a bed or be in a wheelchair. And um, so thank you. Thank you, God. Doing again for me. I don't think God wanted me to get hurt, but God wants me to stop hurting myself in the food. I love you all. Thanks. Thank you, Ginger, and we're we're thinking about you. And next we have Kathy C. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kathy C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. Thank you, everyone, for your service and your shares. Um, You know, the uh, paragraph here, or actually the whole um, chapter, it mentioned 72 times to help others. Um, actually, the whole the whole book does. But here, um, you know, to be helpful is my only aim. So I was always taught that I have to identify in, right? I have to always ask myself, right, how does this apply to me? And if it does apply to me. So, yes, it, this applies to me. So in working with others, you know, this is, this is what I need to do. Um, and my only aim, right? So I, why do I do this? Why do I need to do this? Well, because it tells me that nothing will ensure immunity, right, from me going back to compulsive eating to get that obsession of the mind to, you know, to, to eat. Only intensive work with others will keep me away from from that obsession to come up again, that separation that I separate from my higher power. So I'm building this relationship with with God. And at the same time, my life has changed. The transformation has happened. And how do I keep this gift? Right? How do I keep thinking of others? Because I've I've come from a self-centered, you know, place, obsession with, with the food and me relying on myself only from from really coming into a consciousness. Um, of a higher power's will constantly. I pray constantly. How can I be, you know, of service to you, God, and and show up in my own life, right? So this is this is the chapter. This is it. This is where I become useful. This is where I have a purpose again. This is where not only when I serve people, I serve myself. Somehow there's God there. Somehow there's God and I and I work with people who want to recover. So I, I don't have to go, you know, um, worry about what my husband's doing in his life or, or redirect my kids or do all that. No, I come here. 
I come here right away because people here who ask for help, the the outside, the family outside doesn't necessarily ask me to be helpful to them all the time. And when they do, fantastic. I love that. But if they don't, I come here. This is where this is where where I I live to be most useful. Um, and this is the unmanageability part where um, I want to stay recovered, right? Because I'm plagued with this unmanageability that somehow my my life alone, my self will, my, my all that knowledge, you know, does not does not work. I cannot do life alone. I need the direction, the love the patience, the compassion, one of the higher powers. Because uh, if, I, if I had it, I could have done it already. So this is what's keeping me alive today. And um, to be helpful is, is my only aim. And I pray to be helpful every day. Not perfect, but it's progression. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. And now, Rick J., it's your turn. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Rick Jay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, but it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. I love that. And, um, you know, the, um, it's one of the promises, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. So, um, it doesn't matter what my experience is as long as I use my experience to help others. And, uh, you know, I don't have to add to it. Like uh, our lead chair um, said, you know, I really don't. It's my experience is my experience. I don't have to make anything up. Um, you know, nobody wants my opinions. My experience can you, you know, it's, it's there, it's there for the taking if I choose to, to share it. And that's been the spirit of, of step 12 and working with others and passing it on. I choose to share my experience with others today. And I saw this, um, this paragraph, you know, in the family afterwards that I just, I think just sort of beautifully adds to this. Um, it says showing others who suffer how we were given help. Is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest position, possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. And, uh, you know, I can't fix anybody, but I can carry the message like the message was so beautiful. You know, it was so beautifully carried to me. Um you know, what I was like, what happened to me, what I'm like now. Um, and, and that's, that's my gift. You know, that's the gift that I received from others. That's the gift that I'm passing on. Um, you know, I spent 20 years in darkness in the food trying to, to get abstinent. And, uh, you know, that's part of my experience. And for the last, you know, three and a half years, I've been living in recovery, um, you know, in a spiritual program of action that um, I know I'm not cured. Um, I Every day is a day I must carry the vision of God's will into all my activities, living in the promises, doing the spiritual actions that keep me there and passing this message on to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. And next, Lee H. Good morning, Lee. Well, good morning. Thank you so much, Penny, for your service. This is Lee H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater 
in Tennessee this morning, and I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, the lead share really uh, perked my attention. Uh, the chapter is about working with others, not to others or for others, but with others. And it really, you know, helped remind me that um, I need to to respect those that I'm working with. And it reminded me of um, something I did several years ago when I first got into this program and got recovered. And uh, I think I, my mission was a little off base because um, I was around, there was a woman that came to um, the Y where I go um, and she had to get off the light in order to get out of the uh, bus she was on. They had to put her on an, uh, one of these elevator type machines to get her out of the van and then she um, was in a wheelchair. She was so heavy and I just I, I just felt for her. I had such a burden for her and but I didn't know her at all. And so I just remember one day I just wrote on a card the phone number for Vision for You and you know I I gave it to her and it was like uh uh-uh, uh that's I I just feel kind of embarrassed by that now because I didn't know her I you know I I think I had some fear about it um you know probably some selfish fear that you know I'd be rejected or whatever so. I, I've grown a lot in this program and realized that um, all I have is my experience, and that is such a blessed gift from my higher power. And um, so, you know, I've got I've got a sponsee now that's in a lot of fear, a lot of financial fear, and I'm just thinking, you know, she has stayed abstinent through her situation. She's going through a, a hard family situation right now, and so. You know, what I have is an experience not only with how God delivered me from the food, but how he's delivered me from fear and resentment and dishonesty and selfishness. And that's that's the most valuable gift I have. And I'm just realizing I need to share that. I need That's what I need to focus on is once somebody gets abstinent and starts working the steps, then it's the thinking that has to be healed and, and, you know, they need to be delivered from the same things that I was delivered from. And so that's that's what I want to do. And I'm just really grateful that um, I'm here today and can learn some more about just how to be useful and helpful to others. So thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lee H. And you're, uh, let's see, Christina J. now. morning, Penny. Thanks for your service. Morning, everyone. Christina J. Recovering in North Carolina. Oh, boy. I have a load of experience, strength, and hope in life. And that's not take, take stand, uh, taking a stance from an ego standpoint. That is just looking back at um, the journey up to 64 years of age here. And uh, many people would like to uh, just sit down in a chair or get in a camper bus and go around the country and look at beautiful things. And not saying you can't do that and still be of service, but uh, it's not where my heart is. And yesterday, so 
in today, in yesterday, how did I stay sober? <clears throat> I reached out to another suffering a person in program and asked how I could help. I spoke to another person in program and bared my soul, and she shared a deep God experience with me. I went to a meeting. I listened to the special edition. Um, that's how I was of service yesterday, and that's how I stayed sober. I also had to be of service to my mother, <clears throat> who's suffering, and who has refused to talk to me in a very mean way. I have no idea why. And so I got to be of service in my soul, not taking that personally. That is my best service to my mother, is to not take it personally. And don't go near the bee's nest when the hive is buzzing with angry bees. Um, so these are all, <clears throat> you know, their growth of the soul in various ways. I, I, it's God, myself, and others. I've got to go to God. I've got to make sure my street is clean, that I do the best I can to stay in recovery. And then I am fit to be of service to others. Um, and, and even if I'm not, uh, you know, if I'm in the food, say for instance, if I'm in relapse, if I'm in a state of mind that's insane, how can I be of service? By getting that stuff cleaned up, by talking to fellows and reaching out for help. That's a great way to be of service to myself and others because if I work on recovery, it's one more person on the recovery book, book bus. It's one more person that God can use <clears throat> and uh, get out of the way of myself. So I love being of service. I love sponsoring and uh, I love the challenges that come my way. They're painful, but you know what? They teach me and it's to me, it's all divine intervention. Everything that comes my way is divine intervention. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Love you all. Thank you, Christina J. And next, Bonnie J. And then I'll be taking more names uh, for people who want to share. Go ahead, Bonnie. Good morning, Penny. Actually, it's Bonnie B. from Minnesota. Thank you so much you. for your service. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm gratefully recovered by the grace of God. I say sometimes for the next 20 seconds because life happens. Um, so when I looked at this paragraph, this is what I thought of. Um, I thought of page 31. Here are some of the methods I've tried. All the different things I did over the course of my 62 years of life, all the different diets, all the different group programs, everything I did, I always wanted to like recruit other people because deep within my heart, I was really, really hoping this was going to work. And so it became, it became a diet club, every single one of them. How can I find a group of people? And yet in this program, um, the gift that I have is to not recruit. The gift that I have for other people is to do the program, live recovered, and then hopefully it's attraction, not promotion. The service that I give to other people is to not talk about my program unless God brings it up. If God brings it up, then I talk about it, but I don't promote anything. I'm hoping that my life shines brightly and then other people ask. Um, we had a family reunion this last week and there were two people that were inquired. And you know what? I share and I share from my heart and then seeds are planted and whatever happens with it happens with it. It's not my job anymore. The idea of being uniquely useful, that to me looks like being honest with other people. You know, when I'm um, in the food or out of the food, you know, every chapter in my book, I used to think chapters were good or bad. Chapters are chapters, and I used to at all costs hide everything. I don't hide anything anymore. That's part of my being unique, uniquely useful to other people. When I talk with people on the phone, 
if they're wrestling with something, I'll say, can I tell you about a chapter in my book? Because I want them to lean in. I want them to know they're not alone. I don't, I don't criticize. I cooperate. Um, you know, I've heard the saying, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, my job description for me personally is to love with no strings attached and to live free. Because every single one of us that have, you know, for me, um, this DNA, it's bondage. And none of us want to be here. We want freedom. And so I, I love this paragraph. I don't have to go looking for people. God's going to bring people to me as he sees fit. And then um, I speak whatever he wants me to speak. And more than anything else, I love them unconditionally and live free. And I know that's incredibly attractive because that's not where I lived for years and years. So grateful for each of you. Grateful for the, for the opportunity to be able to share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Bonnie B. Thank you for that correction. So um, just to remind everybody, we are on page 89 in the big book. We are on the third paragraph, which begins with, perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers, and ends with, to be helpful is our only aim. And so, again, I'm ready to take names of people who would like to share. Sandra Maria from Sweden. Priscilla H. Okay, Priscilla. <coughs> Who else? Sandra Maria from Sweden. I yeah, don't know I if you heard me. I put your name, uh, Sandra, yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you. I have Sandra and Priscilla. Do I have anyone else? Um, All right, go. Yes. All right, go ahead, Sandra Maria. Thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Sandra Maria, a constant eater from Sweden. And thank you for your shares and the reading. I was just reminded when I came to one of my first OA meetings, there was a woman there. She had 17 days of abstinence. And for me, it sounded like one million years. I I thought it, it's not possible. I mean, I have I, I barely had 17 minutes at that point. And uh, I need to remember that because I've been struggling in the room because I haven't been um, working or putting the program before before everything else uh, for some time. Uh, I had long-term abstinence before, so I know it works if I work it. But I, I have come back and I'm, I'm on my, my way, so to speak, really, really grateful to be abstinent today. Um, and I spoke with my sponsor yesterday and she just encouraged me to speak with newcomers and not to be ashamed that I'm coming back, that I came to the program many years ago and so on and so on. Uh, but if I have a day of abstinence, if I have an hour of abstinence, I still have more than someone that is in the food. And obviously, I can't give away more than what I have, but there are things I can give. And I have been changed by doing these steps and, and um, uh, living in the rooms for many years. So it's not like everything is lost. Um, I just wanted to speak that out and uh, uh, let the shame pass because the shame only kills. Uh, I've also suffered from an injury. Um, but I can be helpful by praying for people. I can be helpful by going to meetings and um, um, 
I, I heard someone earlier share I would love to have contact with that that person because I, I yeah I was in a car accident and, and been on crutches and, and hurt my tibia leg and so on. Anyway, I just want to speak that out and thank you so much everyone for being there and and yeah one last thing um, referring to this chapter I uh, was on a travel and um, for one full day I needed to go to many many challenging places. And I said to God in the morning, it's not even possible to stay uh, abstinent this time because, you know, I'm so newly back and it's so many challenges, I can't do it. And he just said, you don't need to do it alone. So I really put, I took every tool. I took up the phone if it was 10 minutes connection at the train. I just took it up, went to a random OA meeting and, and then I texted, I called, I just did step work at the airport and God took me through. I was abstinent. It it was an amazing uh, journey, and it's only because of you and because of God and, and the willingness to to lay down on my knees and ask for help, even if everything inside of me screams uh, and nothing is the way it used to be right now. But I'm grateful to be alive, and um, yeah, you are my second leg right now. Even if I can't run, I can't do everything I like the way I did. You are my second leg, and God is the third the signs of all together. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Hey, thank you so much, Andrew Maria from Sweden. Priscilla H. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. This is Priscilla H. in New Jersey. Grateful to be physically recovered today and otherwise, <coughs> excuse me, recovering uh, from my food addiction. And um I'm breaking the rules here because I shared on Friday, but I promised to shut up for the rest of the week. But there's something I just feel is important to say this morning, um, which is there's one thing, most things haven't changed since the 1930s, but there's one thing that has changed radically uh, in this paragraph, and that is that, excuse me, today, a doctor or a hospital, I don't know about ministers and priests, but I know for sure doctors and hospitals are not allowed to do um, what this paragraph recommends. They cannot tell us about people who need our help. They would lose their license or be sued or something due to something called HIPAA laws, H-I-P-P-A, I don't remember what all those letters stand for, but one of those P's is for privacy. And there are laws today against revealing <clears throat> the identity of your patient if you're a medical provider. Um, so here's what I have done instead. I fell heir to a large number of brand new um, Overeaters Anonymous leaflets, those, those that introduce the program to a newcomer. And I was able to give those to my primary care doc, um, along with a copy of the OA 12 and 12. And um, she and I have talked uh, about my eating disorder and about my program that I use um, today, thanks be to God, for recovery. And so I gave her that material and encouraged her um, to pass it on to anyone that she thought might be helped by it. And that's something we can do today, uh, even with our doctors and our other medical providers. So thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. 
Penny, we don't hear you. Penny, we can't hear you. Moderator. Penny, Stout. star one. To one mute. Mm-hmm. Penny. <laughs> I guess we lost Penny. Why doesn't Weber's next go, and then we'll give the three minutes for Penny to come uh, back? This is Christy in Tennessee. Hello? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know what I don't know what happened. I. It said I was unmuted and I wasn't. Okay. So I need to take um, more names of people who would like to share, please. Chris G. Chris G. Jessica C. Jessica. Anyone else? Okay. Guess we're going by twos today. Chris G., why don't you go ahead? Anne-Marie L. Okay, Anne-Marie. Let me put Anne-Marie in here. Anne-Marie L. Okay, back to you, Chris G. Thank you, Penny, for your service, and thank you, everyone, who has shared this morning. The shares have been excellent. And I just wanted to put in, uh, it says, um, so cooperate, never criticize, and to be helpful is our only aim. Um, so, uh, it's it's hard to know exactly who we're supposed to um, uh, um, help, but cooperate and never criticize is a big leap for me because I always criticized and I was rebellious and didn't cooperate. So um, uh, to be helpful, I, I I think this is even like with I have a I have a biological sister who is overweight. And I share my program with her all the time, but I can't criticize her. I only just tell her what I'm doing and tell her my experience. And, and I tell her about my meetings and my shares. But, um, you know, it's what's helpful. I'm not an evangelist or a reformer. I can't tell her, you must do what I do. I can only say, this is what works for me. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chris G. And next, Jessica C., please. Hi, this is Jessica C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ontario, Canada. Um, and um, I noticed the beginning of this paragraph, it says that we that if we're not acquainted with any drinkers or compulsive overeaters, we can easily find some. Um, it really emphasizes that we should be proactive in trying to find um, someone to work with to help them recover. And, um, you know, I, I need to be reminded of that, that I don't just, that it's not about the newcomer or the still suffering member finding me. I have to go out and find them. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that, um, you know, I've been in OA for 18 years. Um, I find that the, at least, in my experience, the culture has changed somewhat where when I first came into OA as a new person, it was up to me to sort of find a sponsor and I, and it wasn't that easy. Um, 
you know, I would approach people and people would say that they're not sponsoring or that they're full. And now the, it seems like the experience is much different where sponsors are really um, everywhere. People who are willing to sponsor are everywhere and it's easy to connect with them. So um, I'm just really grateful for that change. And I hope it's a, a really welcoming experience for a newcomer. Um, and then, you know, I have been in OA for 18 years. I've been recovered for the last two and a half years. So my experience is a lot of relapse. And I find that I can be uniquely useful to, um, you know, people who have also ex- experienced a lot of relapse. Um, and, 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 and yeah, and, and, I, and <laughs> it makes, it turns something really positive or it's, it makes that experience of suffering for so long, being in relapse, in and out of relapse for so long, it makes it useful to other people when, you know, when I was in the middle of that experience, I just didn't understand why it was happening. So um, I'm just really grateful for the messages in this paragraph. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jessica C. Anne-Marie L. Yes, hi, good morning. Um, I hope you can hear me okay with these have our uh, yes. landscapers out there. Um, okay, um, I just wanted to share that um, someone else had shared um, before that they had carried the message and felt kind of embarrassed. And I've experienced that too. Um, but I do look back and um, I had a sitter for so many years who I, I believe had this disease and would tell me it was just like alcohol and food. And, and so I took her to a meeting. She didn't know where she was going and she was surprised and uh, she was horrified. <laughs> and so, um, and then sort of the end of the story, you know, whatever, 15 or 14 years later, or whatever it is, I was visiting her this weekend and she was like that alcoholic at the sort of um, down and out in the way because she's completely broke. She's living in a retirement community and she doesn't need to be, but she can't afford to live anywhere else. And I just see where this disease takes it and I um, I know that I tried to plant the seed and I tried to help her but we can't help everyone and I do remember one other thing my mother saying to me because I remember being so upset at her reaction you know years ago um, my mother saying you know what Amory she just can't and you know what some people can't and or they're just not ready um, so anyway with that I'll pass thank you thank you Anne-Marie and uh, who else would like to share? We have time for at least two more people, perhaps three. It's Pam SR. It? Say that again, please. Pam SR. Pam SR. Marion H. Marion H. Right, go Monica ahead. Delaware. And who's from Delaware? Monica. Monica. Okay, let's see if we can get all three of you in. Okay. PMSI, your turn. Yeah, good morning. Um, Pam SR, living in Austin, Texas, recovered compulsive overeater. And yes, my my eating, my binging experience of being face down in the food does make me uniquely qualified to help others. 
So I wanted to really share my most shameful food experience. And years ago, I never shared any of this with another human being. And now I openly share it when there are opportunities. Years ago, my daughter got married and our relationship was so estranged, she didn't speak to me at her wedding. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So what I did was I did the only thing I knew how to do, and that was I brought home the wedding cake. And for 10 days, I woke up in the morning and I started eating wedding cake until I was sick. And then I would go and I'd crawl back in bed into a food coma. Well, what was also going on during those 10 days is that my son had just gone through the police academy, young in his 20s, and he had finished training and he was on the night shift. And so he could call anybody on the planet, and what he did was he called me. So in the morning, I would wake up to him leaving a voice message. I wouldn't answer, and he'd say, Mom, I just got off a night shift, and I wanted to tell you what happened. And I didn't answer, and I would get up out of bed, and I would go start eating wedding cake, and I did that for 10 days. And 10 days later, my son was dead. He had leukemia. He didn't know it. We didn't know it. His brain hemorrhaged, and he just died. And so the reason that I share that is because I know and I understand the shame and the guilt and the self-loathing that being in the food can bring about, the devastating feelings, the internal imploding of our lives. And What happened was I'd love to say that I got out of the food at that time, but I didn't. I didn't know that there was hope. I didn't know that there was recovery. And so I continued to eat, and it continued to hurt my family and the ones that I loved, and it it didn't help me get out of grieving and mourning either. And I finally got into the rooms of OA, and I was so desperate by that time so full of shame and guilt, self-loathing, remorse, and the bitter morass of self-pity, and I could not get out. I couldn't get out of the food, and I could not get out of how I felt about myself. And so all I did was I just did whatever I was told. It didn't matter that I didn't agree with it. I didn't like it. And I didn't believe that it would happen for me. But all I knew was there was this promise that they kept reading at meetings, you will not regret the past, nor wish to close the door on it. And I thought, I don't know how this thing can exist, but I have to at least do everything I can in order to have this as part of my life. And at the very end, maybe I'll end up with nothing, but that's what I have now. And so I did. I worked through the steps. I put the food down. I worked through the steps. And I can actually say now, after having spent years of hiding that secret, that I can share it with you and that there is hope and there is recovery. Thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for that share, Pam. And next, we have Marion H. and Monica. I'm going to ask you each to take two minutes, please. Marion? Hi, good morning. This is Marion H. Can I be heard? 
Yes, I'm going to ask you to take two minutes, if you would. Sure. Uh, I am so grateful to God and to the vision and to everyone for being here. I'm a very old uh, OA member in the land of relapse, and I'm truly grateful to God that I'm once again in recovery, and I have a wonderful sponsor, and I finished reading uh, Bill's story, and I'm working diligently and talking to God, and I'm so, so grateful that he's giving me another chance at my recovery after being uh, in the rooms for a long time and being in and out of relapse. And I, he doesn't let me give up on myself, and I'm not. And I'm just very, very grateful to all of you for being here for your share. And thank you to God once again and to Vision and to everyone. Have a beautiful, blessed day. And I pass. Thank you, Marion H. And Monica, I don't have the the initial of your last name, but oh, you can M. go ahead. Mon- okay, you can hear me. Okay, Monica M. Compulsive Eater from Delaware. And thanks, everybody, from, for being here. I don't feel that much, but I started sponsoring again. Not that I wasn't, but I have a new sponsee, and I, found, I think I found myself <laughs> preaching last night. Uh, but anyway, I know that I have to give my experience, strength, and hope. And I have mentors that, you know, you know, say that, you know, if uh, if, if the person is not ready, you know, they need another voice or they need to move on. And they're not in a bad way. Uh, but for me, I'm recovered, you know, 17 months. And I have the, the miracle of not eating compulsively. I've worked the steps through the big book. And I'm truly blessed with this program and the people envisioned for you, Scott, Bill, family afterwards. It really touches my heart. I'm, I'm getting emotional. How the people in OA extend themselves. And if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I want to pass it on and not preach it. But thank you and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Monica M. And now it's time for us to close this portion of the meeting. Um, Please stay uh, tuned to the second hour of study immediately following the closing. And we're going to close today, with, as we always do, with the selection of page 164, and I'm going to call on Craig F. Thanks. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.
Thank you, Craig. And I'm sorry I didn't get this on the recording, but the share code.